0: Amen. Thanks, Alan. had to go grab my table. Well, good morning. You guys doing all right? I'm really excited to get to be up here with you today. We're going to continue through the book of Romans. So if you have your Bible, you can actually go ahead and get to Romans 5. We'll get there in just a second. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some ushers walking around the room and you can just throw up your hand and they'd love to to get one to you. Um, But like Alan said, my name is John Miney. I've been on staff part-time here at Grace Monroe since the summer working with small groups. You absolutely should jump into a grace group if you haven't yet. We need to do life in community, Um, and I'm also doing full-time seminary, but really the the big reason how I ended up here at Grace Monroe is through my relationship with Brian and and my wife's relationship with Sadie, And, and Bailey and I, my wife, we have been dreaming and wrestling with this idea of planning a church out west, And honestly, I was kind of like, man, if I say this out loud, it's going to be, like, real. Like, that is real, and it's—we're really excited about it, but to be honest, we're also a little scared about it, right? Going to plant a church, saying that out loud sounds a little crazy. But we've known Brian and Sadie for about seven, eight years, and we actually did a summer discipleship project here a long time ago in Monroe. We helped just do some stuff around the community, just got to meet a lot of people. We love it here. And and since then, anytime Bailey and I kind of have a— you know, a, a big moment, or we're going through something, or we, we want to process, we'll reach out to Brian and say, he's like, hey, can we just ask your advice? And they, they've always helped. They've blessed us so much. And so, as this dream of planning a church out west came up, I reached out to Brian, and we, we met up a couple times, and as we talked, this, this idea of, hey, what if I came over to Grace Monroe and got to sit under the leadership here under Brian and Brandon, and just continue to learn, continue uh, to let God equip me and equip Bailey to go out west. And so that's kind of the big reason why I'm here. And, and talking about my wife, Bailey, she's not able to be here this morning. I know she's sad, but she is actually out in Dallas, Texas, visiting her parents. But I wanted to prove to you that she's real. I'm actually married. It's actually about a picture of us, if you want to throw that up there. There's my wife. You guys can all. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, she's amazing. We've been married for seven years this past August. We've turned the dirty 30 this year. So we're getting old, for, in our opinion. Um, but we met in Athens right after uh, going to the UGA, met at a co- uh, college ministry there. We had uh, kind of a fun story from our first date to our wedding date was nine months, and so it was kind of quick. It's always fun to say. Uh, but she, fun fact about her, she actually has three degrees from the University of Georgia. So she got all the brains. She has an undergrad in English, a master's in social work, and her JD, she's a lawyer. So she's very impressive. I, I hope you guys will get to meet her soon. Um, but... You know, as you can see from the picture, Bailey and I, we, that's out in Glacier National Park. We love to travel. We love to, to go into nature and just find rest and have fun out there. And so actually two weeks ago, we finally got to do this trip that we actually planned pre-COVID. And it was this trip to go out to Vancouver, but the borders have been closed. And finally this fall, it was reopened. And so we got to go out there. We got, did some hiking, kayaking. We went sailing for the first time. I mean, it was Awesome. And what really made this trip special, and I think you guys will appreciate this, is we found this perfect balance between rest and activity, right? How many of us have gone on vacation, and the first thing we think when we get back is, I need a vacation for my vacation, right? We are exhausted, and the last thing we want going to do is like, oh my gosh, that was supposed to be my time off, and now I'm supposed to go back to work and go back to life, Right, that, that is how a lot of our vacations have been. But this time, it was 10 days. It was a, the longest vacation we've ever done. And we were coming back, like, ready to go, ready to jump back into school, into work. But unfortunately, uh, as life uh, happens, you know, we had this dream and this plan, and it didn't happen quite that way. And, and just to confess to you guys, it was actually all my fault. So, so here's what happened. We had planned that we were going to land in Atlanta two Sundays ago, early afternoon. Right? We were going to get back. We could drive back to Athens, have a slow night, get a lot of sleep, and just seamlessly transition back into the real world. It was going to be perfect. But here's what actually happened. We, we land early afternoon. We hop in the parking ride. We get to our car. Everything's going great. I'm probably a little too relaxed, and maybe that's why I did what I did. Uh, but we get into our car, and we sit, and then I make my first mistake. It's that I pulled forward. And what happens is the car goes up and then down. And then just see there's this huge bang. And so we just stop, we're like, oh my gosh. I turn and look at her, we're just like, what just happened? And, and this is an older car, and so there's already a lot of lights on the dash. So I look, and I'm like, okay, there's no new lights on the dash. <laughs> so I think, I think that we're okay. And that was my second mistake, because we were not okay. And so I pull out of the parking lot, and of course the car works great getting out of the parking lot, but as soon as we get into the road, it just stops, and we're at the Atlanta airport. We're blocking traffic. People are honking at us. I get out of the car. We're just stressed out of our mind. I look, and there's just this trail of oil behind the car. And what happened was there was a parking brick uh, at the parking spot. And I went over and went down and smashed, and it just shattered our oil pan and the car. It just didn't work. And also, side note, no one helped us. So, so Bailey gets out, and she's steering, and I'm pushing this car. And everyone's just kind of watching. I think they feel bad now, but still everyone's like, i got to go somewhere so I'm slipping in the oil. And we're pushing this car to the side. We finally get over. We're just stressed. We have to call a tow truck, and it takes an hour or so for that to get there, figure out where we're taking it, like what auto shop are we going to use. That takes some time. And then we have to call an Uber and do the two-hour ride home to Athens. All that to say is our, our dream of having this seamless transition back into the real world did not quite happen. And hopefully, actually today I'm hoping to go pick up the car. So we've been two weeks— doing one car in the mining household, and that has also not been the great, greatest for us. But I do want to just give a shout out to my wife, Bailey, because this was a, I mean, I was so mad at myself. I don't know if you're like this, like, I get so mad. Like, I just ruined this. I can't believe I did this. I'm like so frustrated. And Bailey was just so calm. She wasn't mad at me. I mean, at least she didn't show it if she was. But she was, she was so grace, graceful towards me, so patient. And I don't know if you've had those moments, Right when you've messed up and it's clear, like man, I have messed up whether it's at work or in marriage or with friends, and and the person instead of being frustrated to you, they give you grace and they show you love. Those are powerful moments, right? And, And I bring that up because as we've been going through the Book of Romans, that's the love from God that we've been talking about, right? Paul has been setting up to this group of Christians in Rome, these Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians, that hey. You cannot earn God's love. That it is not something you can acquire on your own. But it's a free gift that we don't deserve that God gives to us. And as we jump into Romans 5, 1, he sets it up. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. And so before we jump in, I just the question for us today is, all right, what is true of us now? What is true of us since we are justified through faith? And that's what Paul unpacks in Romans 5. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into the word and get going. So would you pray with me? And so God, I just invite you into this moment. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're, you're speaking through the word, and that your word is living and active. And so would you come and use this text to open our eyes, God, to open our ears, to open our hearts, that we would receive everything that you have for us. That we, we recognize we come, most of us come to church every Sunday morning as a part of our routine. But would this morning be different? Would you speak to us? Would you stop us and open us just to everything that you have today? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And then I'm going to, we're going to jump and I'm going to read the full verse of Romans 5.1. And we're answering this question. So, therefore, since we've been justified, what is now true of us? So it says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so right away, Paul answers that question for us. That because we're justified through faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. And I I just want to highlight that that in this moment, Paul uses the word with. Like that really stuck out to me because he's not saying we have peace in God. He's not saying we have peace through God. He's not talking about like this inner peace, like the Zen that we have. Those, uh, Those things are true. But in this text, in this moment, Paul is recognizing that since we're justified, there is now no hostility Between us and God. That there is now no tension between us and God. That we're no longer against each other. There is a living peace, like an external peace. Our position with God um, is not one of hostility. And as I was reflecting on this, it kind of brought me back to a trip I got to go on this summer. I actually got to go to Israel, to the Holy Land. It was an absolutely unbelievable trip. I'm going to do a shameless plug real fast. If you can pull off and go on this epic trip with Grace Monroe, do it. I mean, going to Israel, seeing uh, the, where the stories of the Bible took place, where the ministry of Jesus took place, it is unreal. It makes the word come alive. That's, that's a shameless plug. It for you, Alicia. Just a little plug. Um, but while we were in Israel, we actually spent a good bit of time in both Israeli and Palestinian communities. And if you guys know, there's this huge tension, this huge conflict between these communities. And, you know, one day we were there, we were walking in a Palestinian camp. And we were right along this wall, this wall that literally divides uh, the communities. And the tension is so, so visible, it is written and graffitied all over this wall that, that the Israeli and Palestinian people are not living uh, in peace, right? They are living in tension. And, and this one day in the morning when we were in this camp, it was very clear which side had the resources, which side kind of had the power, and which side did not. And, and, like, this pa- Palestinian camp, they clearly were, did not have the resources. They were clearly a living in tension with a neighbor who had more power than they did. And, and, and I was thinking, what would it be like to live in that kind of tension? Right? We wake up, and we, have, we know we have, we have peace. I don't, I don't think, hopefully, none of us are afraid of our neighbors. Um, but we have peace with God. But what would it be like to wake up knowing, man, like, I, am, I have frustration. I have anger with someone who has more power than I do. And, and Paul says peace with God because that is what many pagan and even some Christians viewed their relationship with God like, and he's trying to correct them. That we, we recognize that God, yes, he has all the power, right? We are powerless compared to God. And yes, we, we are in hostility with God. Before Jesus, we, we have tension with God. But with all that power, God says, I want peace with you. And that, that's the message for us today, that God wants peace with you, and we absolutely do not deserve it. And Paul highlights, so let's jump back into the text. It's Romans 5. We'll do verses 6 through 10. It says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified, by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? And so God chose peace with you, and it has nothing to do with anything we've done, it has nothing to do um, with your good behavior, with your bad behavior. And, and let's just be honest for a second. We live in the South. We live in the Bible Belt. There is a cultural uh, reality that comes with that. and I think some of it is great. Like, let's just talk about Southern hospitality for a second. I mean, shout out to Southern hospitality. I mean, the amount of free meals and and getting to know your neighbors and saying, hey, like, I love everything about that. When we went out west, like, just another confession, like, we would wave to people, and, like, they would just look and keep walking. And I would, like, secretly inside, like, be crushed. Like, oh, oh. I thought we were friends. Uh, but, you know, that's Southern hospitality. I'm trained to, to have that, that mentality. But at the same time, I think there are things that are difficult, for especially for our faith, living in the culture we do. And one of them is there's just this pressure to appear a certain way. Right? There's a pressure to, for, for us, if we're Christians, to, to do certain things, look a certain way that we would appease God or, or that our neighbors or our friends or the people who go to our church would think that, oh, like they're a good Christian because they go to church. And they pray before their meal. They do these things. And when we live or are motivated by that pressure, our understanding of our relationship with God begins to get twisted. And we begin to think that we have to strive, that we have to fight, we have to to earn peace with God, that we have to earn our right place. But the good news of what Paul is saying is that that is just never true. Because remember, while we were sinners... While we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. And so, how much more if when we were against God, He died for us? Will we, as sons and daughters, get to, to confidently live in peace? Right? And Paul is saying, hey, there is this Old Testament law that, that we thought if we abided by this law, the Christ, you know, back in the day, if, they, if we abide by this law, then we have peace with God. But the reality is, they could never abide by it, it was not sufficient. And in the same way, our cultural law, like our cultural code that we try to follow, like if I do these things, then I have peace with God and I can be confident. But if I don't do these things, then I'm kind of like, man, God's mad at me, or God's disappointed in me, or I'm not connected with God because I didn't do these things. But Paul's saying that mentality is not sufficient. That is not our reality. And the truth is, we have peace with God. And so I just, before we jump into the next part, I just want to take a moment and just honestly allow us to reflect. Think about your faith. Think about the way you live your life, your relationship with God. Are you living, like, in striving, fighting and trying to scrap for peace with God? Are you living in fear, thinking, man, when I step out of line, man, God's anger is on me. God's wrath is on me. I just want to invite you that in this moment, that 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 is not true. Neither of those are true. And the truth is, you have peace with God. Amen? Alright, let's keep going. Let's jump back into the text. We'll do uh, Romans. We're going to do verses 2 through 5. And it says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So this is starting in the second part of verse 2. So, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so because we've been justified, we have peace with God. And the second thing Paul highlights is that we can have hope in our suffering. That we can have hope in our suffering. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, Paul goes from like, hey, we have peace with God. This is awesome. Like this bright light. And he goes uh, immediately from that to acknowledging human suffering acknowledging whether it's persecution of faith or just pressure from living life on earth, right? He acknowledges human suffering. I think that that's really helpful because there is a temptation, right? To think, okay, because I have peace with God, because I'm a new creation in Christ, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, the reality is that my life will now be a cakewalk, right? Life will be easy. I think if anyone told us that, we would just laugh. That is just not our reality, there is suffering, there is pressure in this life. But again, the good news in, in that is that God is with us in our suffering. That, that God is not wasting it, that God is using it. And you know, these verses go on to show us that God is not only with us, but he is building things in us. And as I was reflecting on these verses, honestly, I, I do feel like this is really good news for today. I know we're sick of, of talking about COVID. I'm sick of talking about COVID, but uh, our, our staff actually a couple weeks ago, we listened to this podcast and it was just recognizing, like there's all this research coming out that pretty much there's just this collective trauma that no one's escaped from that. We have all gotten from, since the pandemic, right? Many of us, we were isolated, maybe just for weeks or maybe for months, maybe for over a year. And, and that took its toll on us. Or maybe even since, since some of us, we've had to shift jobs, Right, you've lost your financial security. You were comfortable before, and now you're scrapping. And you know, you hear us talk about the budget, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's the last thing I feel like I can do because we're we're struggling so much." Or, or, or a big one right now is just mental health. Right, cases of anxiety and depression, especially in the younger generations, has just been on a rise. Right, the reality is our human experience is not the easiest that our lives, not all the time, but we will have moments and even seasons of suffering. And what Paul is showing us is that God has not forgotten you. God has not forsaken you. That, that when you're, maybe you're in that season right now, the truth is that God is with you. He's, he's not overlooking you. And then as the verses show us even more, he's not wasting it. God is building something significant inside of you. And so let's, let's go back to those verses. I want to walk uh, verse by verse as we see what God is actually building in us. So we'll start in verse three. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And so we'll stop right there. The first one, suffering produces perseverance. And so as we sit in these moments and this pressure, God is making us stronger God is building us up in strength alongside of him, right? Because apart from God, if we're just suffering, suffering's just suffering. Pain is just pain. It's just something that chips away at us. It breaks us down, but we're not built back up. But with God, through suffering, we are built into people of endurance and perseverance. Right, we, an easy example is we can think of uh, working out, right? When you, when you lift weights, your muscle is physically breaking down, and then our body re- rebuilds it back up, and it's stronger. And, and in, a, in a similar way, If we walk with God through our suffering, he's going to build us back up, that he has not left us. So suffering produces perseverance, and next, it's perseverance builds character. Brian and I got coffee yesterday, and he was sharing his story of this trek they just went on. I'm not going to steal it from him. uh, But we were talking about how, you know, think of the person you've always dreamed of being. Think of, think of the woman or the man of God that you've always, man, I can, I can be that. God, I see that person inside of me. Well, God uses suffering, and he grows us into people of character. That is not because, I feel like often we walk into hard times and we think, oh, man, it's because I'm just not strong enough. I just can't do this. I'm not a person of character. But it's, in fact, God is using that to build character inside of you, that as you endure, as you persevere, your character is built so that's perseverance to character, and finally, character to hope. And I don't know if you've ever met a, a person who, man, they just carry hope with them, especially someone who's been with Jesus, who's walked with Jesus for decades. Uh, my wife, Bailey, she has a mentor out in Portland area. Uh, we've known her for a couple of decades now, and she's probably in her 70s. I mean, she's a firecracker. I mean, but she is a lady of hope. She's a woman of hope. Just being around her. And she's, she's been through some stuff. She's, she's walking through cancer right now. But she has not for a second lost hope. And being around her, it's just contagious. It lifts you up. It excites you. And that is the person that God can make us into. And that is what the world needs. The world needs people of Hope. And that, that is the invitation God has for us. So obviously, it is a blessing to us to have hope, but then we can go and bless others. And so when we get to the other side of suffering, we see that God has transformed us, that in his kindness, he's taken our pain. And he's truly brought, uh, he's brought good things. He's brought beauty from ashes. And I, I just wanted to, you know, if it's getting to be up here, I just want to be vulnerable with you guys. I kind of have a testimony of this playing out in life. So I mentioned earlier my wife, Bailey, and I, we've been married for about seven years, and she went to law school, and I was working at a, a church out in Lawrenceville before this, and we hit our third year of marriage, and it was a rough one. Uh, kind of what happened is, you know, Bailey's an unbelievable student, and so she was spending 70 to 80 hours a week just studying. And law, I mean, law school, they try to kill you. I mean, if you're going to law school, hey, God, God help you, because they try to kill you. And then I was working in Lawrenceville from Athens. So I had about an hour commute both ways. And so I was just spending a lot of time away from home. And we just kind of hit these few months where we just really weren't around each other. And our friendship, it started to fall apart. And it got to the point where, you know, we just didn't want to be around each other. We just didn't really like each other. And I think we were both, you know, three years into marriage, we were like, this isn't supposed to happen. Uh Uh-oh. And so we were kind of freaking out. We both knew, all right, divorce is not an option, but how are we supposed to get to the other side of this? God, why is this happening? Have you left our marriage? Have you forgotten about us? We thought that this was supposed to be this huge blessing, and we're, we're suffering, we're struggling, and it's affecting every facet of our life. You know, when you hate to go home, that, that can take out your whole life. But, but we persevered. And through community, and just through the spirit ministering to us, we pushed through. And God made us stronger, that our marriage is stronger than it's ever been because of it. Right? God built character in me, the, the husband that I always thought that I could be, the wife that Bailey always dreamed about being. God did that in us. There, there are things that are true of me now that would not be true if it weren't for that. I'm so glad that he didn't waste that season. And, then, and finally, even when Bailey and I are on this vacation this past few weeks, we always take some time, just dream, and it's like, hey, what's, what do we want to do in this upcoming season? And we always just take moments, like look back and laugh on what we've been through because we just have so much hope now. That that I look at her and she looks at me And she knows the ways that I've forgiven her And I know the ways that she's forgiven me And I just know man we can get through anything I just really believe that And and that is what God does When we walk through the seasons Whether it's marriage Whether it's in your personal life Whether it's for your faith When that pressure from the world The enemy the flesh is on us God is at work And so that's good news for us today and so what, God, or what Paul has showed us is that because we've been justified with faith, we have peace with God, and we can have hope in our suffering. And so what Paul then does, to kind of wrap up Romans 5, he, he walks through and he compares the, the sin of Adam to the righteousness of Jesus. And so I want to read this for us, starting in Romans verse 15. I'm going to go, it says 18. I'm going to go all the way through 21, so you're not confused. You can read along. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man that many were made sinners— so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So, just, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so there's good news. I, when we're when we're far from god and we step into faith i think it's sometimes it feels it's easier to receive that good news to believe that man you know from the beginning adam sinned in genesis 3 the fall adam disobeyed god and sin entered into humanity brokenness entered into humanity and that was our disposition before god but i think sometimes when we start following jesus when we have a relationship with god it's like we forget that we forget that that's our reality so we receive the free gift, and then we forget that it's free, and we start saying, all right, but, you know, it was free the first time, God. You're, it was free when I was far from you, but now that I know you, I have to earn it now. Now, now that I know what's good, I, I have to do these things. And that's just not our reality. We have peace with God. We have right standing with God. And it's from that place. It's from being loved. It's from knowing what Jesus has done for us, that he lived a perfect life without sin, that he suffered more—he suffered everything— he suffered, he suffered to the point of death, even though he had no sin. And he rose and ascended into heaven that we could have a relationship with the Father. And that was a free gift, and it's still a free gift we get to live and walk in. And, and so as we close today, we're going we're gonna to go in time of worship and communion. And I just want to encourage you and take a moment just to, to prepare your hearts. So for some of us, we've been following Jesus for a long time or or maybe even just for a short while. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're not living in peace with God. You're striving. Like maybe even this morning, you came here today, like, "Uh, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm a Christian. I come to church. It's, It's good. Right? We're striving with peace with God. We think that that's what makes us right before him. And I just encourage you that during this moment Just allow God's peace That your reality, that your right standing That you're not in tension with him That there's no hostility between you and him Let that just wash over you Even as you take communion And and for some of you, maybe you're just in a season of suffering A season of pressure Whether it's work life, home life, financial situation Whatever's going on There's just so much pressure on you And it's just weighing you down And your thought is saying, God has left me Or maybe you're saying, like, God, what what are you doing in this? And I just believe that the Spirit wants to encourage you today, that He is with you. And He is not wasting your pain. He's not wasting your suffering. That if you sit with Him in it, if you walk through it with Him, He's going to produce something beautiful inside of you. And and then finally, maybe there's some of you in here that you're like, hey, I'm not not following Jesus. I wouldn't say I'm a Christian. And the good news for you today is that that free gift, being justified through faith, is available to you. And the Spirit's inviting you. He's calling you in to relationship with him. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into this time of worship and communion. So let's pray together. And so, Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the life that you lived, that, that we have peace with you, God, that, that we can know you. And God, I thank you that you're with us in our suffering. That when the world is knocking us down or the enemy is against us or our flesh is failing, that we don't have to be discouraged. That you can put hope inside of us. That you can em- empower us to walk through. And on the other side, we're gonna see that we've been transformed from one degree of glory to the next. So would you come and move and would you come and speak, Holy Spirit, in this time?